This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Busting Bust Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. Welcome into Boston Loose Baseball, episode 71. If I'm a little more quiet than normal, it's because I'm literally sitting uh, in my dining room with a pillow against my face to try to take some of the volume that could be going upstairs away. We just had a baby, so the baby and my wife are up there, and her mother-in-law is here helping us, which is awesome. But she's sleeping near where I would normally be broadcasting, so I've got nowhere to go. I went outside. And there were too many crickets, and then I lost my cell phone reception and my uh, – not my cell phone, my uh, wireless reception, and uh, our podcast crashed. So uh, this is the best I could do, but very little volume. But that means uh, Toby will bring the energy here, and I will just quietly try to provide some information as we go. But the show must go on because it's not every day, Tobe, that a major trade that we've been talking about for months happens ahead of the deadline. And this is the Jamer Candelario emergency pod. And Candelario is on the move, as we all expected. To a Cubs team that about 10 days ago looked cooked, that has been red hot since, and now they've gotten themselves back in the mix. They've added a guy that was in their organization before, and for the Nationals, that means they get a couple of prospects. So this is a pretty big day. Yeah, it's really odd, too, Grant. Like, if you would have asked me, like you said, 10 days ago, a week ago, even five days ago, would the Cubs be in on him? I would have said no. I thought that there was a real possibility they were going to be sellers. Now they're buyers at the deadline. Not like they had to give up the craziest haul. And that's why I kind of thought the Yankees would be in on Candelario. But, you know, Rizzo was talking about multiple teams being in on Candelario. And rightfully so is he, you know, with how crazy the new trade deadline is for major league baseball. It's he was one of the top bats on the market. And, you know, maybe you would have liked to seen them get a little bit more, but at the same point, you get two, you know, the number 14, number 16 prospect from the Cubs. Not like you were going to get a top prospect for Candelario on a rental, but, you know, good for Candelario. He goes to a team that's competing, that's playing really well right now, and he's going to get a chance to play every day, and hopefully he can help them do something. I'm going to keep cheering for him because he really helped out this team a lot this year, and it's going to be interesting to see who comes up and plays third base for the Nationals. It's going to be interesting to see who is that veteran leader now? Is Lane Thomas step up and take more of a role? How how do the other guys fill in for that spot that you've lost with Candelario? Because you mentioned from being down by the field and seeing him talking to guys before at bats and things like that's going to be missed for a lot of the guys in the clubhouse. But good for Candelario goes to a contender and wish him nothing but the best. Yeah, more on Candy and kind of the 
Cubs portion of this deal maybe in a minute. Uh, I do want to get into the two prospects in detail for our pod listeners, and we can go into each of these two guys. As you said, you know, when you're trading a guy like Candelario, who's a rental, right? It was a one-year $5 million deal for the Nationals, so it's a huge success. Uh, just a massive win when you throw almost no money at a one-year player. This is what they tried to do with Nelson Cruz for three times as much money and some other players over the last couple of years, and it hasn't worked out this well. You go evaluate and, and scout, and you figure out, okay, this guy could be a fit in our organization, and then you bring him in and you hope for the best, and it worked this time. Uh, now you flip basically your $5 million investment for two mid-level, we'll call them prospects, but guys who initially MLB Pipeline has around 15th, 16th in the system. I think when they reshuffle the rankings, they'll be a little bit higher than that. But this was kind of the ultimate plan, and this was the the best-case scenario for the Nats when they brought in Candelario. And to your point, hopefully he'll be back uh, if they're interested in bringing him back next season because he has that type of, you know, I, I think reverence in the clubhouse and within the organization after the kind of guy he's been. But more on him in a minute. Uh, the two players coming back, infielder Kevin Made and left-handed pitcher DJ Hers. Now, I'm going to start with Made, even though I'm actually more intrigued by Hers. Uh, he is the quote-unquote higher-rated prospect in a lot of publications. And the difference, really, because of him being an infielder and a bat and Hers seen as maybe ultimately a reliever, even though he's a starting pitcher right now, Made, who's younger, seems to have maybe more upside, according to some. He's 20 years old. He's a middle infielder. The Cubs system's loaded at shortstop, so it's kind of a redundant spot where he was blocked. Uh, because they have so many shortstops, particularly in the uh, upper levels and the super low levels of the system, they basically placed him in where they needed a, a player the last couple of years. So he's actually been very young for his level. They've given him some pretty aggressive assignments. Uh, I view him as a really good defensive player. Uh, everyone I've talked to and I've reached out to some scouts who have seen him this year, uh, grade him out really well as a guy who can play a plethora of spots. He has actually this year played 58 games at short, seven at second, five at third. He's got a really strong arm. Uh, offensively, the, the profile is basically bat to ball skills, Toe, but the power has not really come. Um, but again, he's young for his level. He's kind of a thin guy. He's not particularly muscular. Uh, I think people thought the power was starting to show up last year. He hit like nine home runs or something at Myrtle Beach before. Uh, the end of the first half of the season, and he got elevated out of Myrtle Beach, but it's a super hitter-friendly ballpark. And since then, he hasn't really shown that power, uh, slugging 355 this year. But the good news is he, he makes contact. He doesn't really strike out. He can handle velocity. He hits lots of line drives, uh, and you're just kind of hoping the power comes. And if he ends up being a 15-20 to 20 home run guy, then there's a chance he could be an everyday player in the infield at the big league level. If he doesn't, maybe he's more of a utility player who can play third and short and second and multiple outfield spots. Um, that That's kind of the upside for Made, who is a, a player that I think would report to A-plus Wilmington, if I had to guess. Uh, Jordy Barley's kind of been bouncing around. They had him up as high as AAA, and now he's back there, I believe, playing uh, some shortstop at, at the A-plus level. They got in the, the deal from the Padres, I think, for Hudson a couple of years ago with uh, – um, uh, uh, the really Mason Thompson. Um, so long story short, Made, 20 year old middle infielder. And I'll say one more thing. And then I want to get your thoughts on him. Uh, I was talking to someone in the organization this past week and they were just talking about the system and they said, man, it would be sure nice to add some infield depth. You know, we've got so many decent outfielders. You go through the list now with James Wood and Robert Hassel and Dalen Lyle and 
Um, you know, even Blake Rutherford's having an awesome run in AAA, and, and they just drafted Dylan Cruz. And, you know, so many of the pieces in the outfield, and they said it were really kind of devoid in the infield of some of those exciting players. And it was a priority for them with Candelario to try to add an infielder in the deal. I think they went into the deal thinking they needed one. And so it didn't surprise me at all to see that if they were trading with the Cubs, you know, they were going to try to get one of their infielders back, and Made was the guy. Yeah, I mean, I like a guy that has a little bit of upside, only 20 years old, and good defensively as well. The grades on MLB Pipeline have him as a 65-arm, 60-field. So a guy that could come up and be a defensive shortstop third baseman, and hopefully he can get the bat figured out a little bit more as he continues to develop. But again, I mean, we're, you're not going to get a proven guy, a guy that has the highest upside in a deal for Candelario. So getting a guy like this and hoping you can develop him, I think is a smart move. Now, <laughs> you know, there's questions about development for the Nationals, so we'll see. But, you know, I got faith that they can find a way to get this guy up to the big leagues. And, you know, if he can find some of that power, like you said, maybe he can be in the mix with some of these guys at second, short, and third. But, I mean, the nice part is you're looking like you might have the ability to have him be a luxury at this point with House hopefully being your third baseman of the future. Abram's really taking a step forward and Garcia. So, you know, the nice part is if, you know, if he only turns out to be a bench bat for you, that's still okay because it probably means that your other guys are doing well. So hopefully he can continue to develop and, We'll see exactly what happens with him. Yeah, that's a good point. And on Brady House, who you mentioned, I guess I should point out uh, the, the point that the person I talked to was making was more middle infield prospects. You know, shortstops, second baseman, they just don't have that. They have House and now Yoandi Morales as potential third base types. Uh, I would make the case they're short at first base with any kind of power and and future as well. But generally, you, you don't. You know, you're not a prospect at first base. You kind of end up there a, a lot of the time. Uh, all right, let's talk DJ Hers, who's the pitcher in this deal. He's a lefty. He was drafted by the Cubs in the eighth round in 2019. He's now 22 years old in double A. Uh, fourth round money when he was drafted. I point that out to say he's not an eighth round talent. Uh, this guy was actually probably like a, I don't know, maybe a second or third round talent overall. He was actually one of the best high school arms in the state of North Carolina back in 2019. And there were some signability concerns, so he fell in the draft before the Cubs snagged him and, and paid him good money. The, the story on him, Toby, is he strikes a lot of guys out. I mean, this is crazy missed bat rates. Got a funky crossfire-type delivery. I'm sure a lot of people uh, who have read anything about him will see that. It's one of the first things anyone talks about because it is kind of a – it comes across his body and it, it makes you know his stuff more deceptive. Uh, he's got one of the better change-ups in the minor leagues. Breaking ball, not particularly good, I don't think, or, or doesn't grade out favorably. I haven't seen what pipeline or anybody has it graded at, but it's never really been an out pitch. Um, so it's a fastball that's in the 92 to 94 range, touches 96, and then it's this elite change-up. Uh, the, the struggle, the reason he's not a high-end prospect, despite being the Cubs' organizational minor league pitcher of the year back in 2021, is he just walks too many guys. And this is why there's a really good chance that he's going to end up a reliever. Uh, he got moved up to double A last year and had more walks 33 than innings pitch 31, which is just like unacceptable. Um, you look at this year, he's got 59 innings and 37 walks, which is better, but still obviously way too many. Um, and because of that, again, it's, it's probably a reliever profile. But if you were to just tell me somehow, some way, he starts throwing more strikes and develops some control over the plate. There's a difference between control and command, right? Control is throwing the ball over the plate. Command is hitting the mitt and throwing to a quadrant, a location. He struggles pretty substantially with control, which has to come before command. 
Um, but if, if he were able to establish that, that this is a, you know, a number four type starter, probably just in terms of overall stuff, 59 innings, 80 strikeouts, 47 hits, a 216 average against this year. And just listen to the numbers the last two years, Toby. Two third, uh, he had 131 Ks in 81 innings two years ago. He had 141 strike uh, strikeouts in 95 innings last year. His career batting average against in the minors is 181. I mean, nobody hits him. He just he strikes everybody out. It's a matter of the walks. And, and you look at his ERA this year, it's like 397 or it's almost four. It's because despite an average against, it's barely over 200. There's always base runners on because of the walk. So he gives up his rare hit and it normally leads to a run. Yeah, sometimes it's funny with these guys, Grant, because the stuff maybe isn't fantastic. You know, the fastball's not 98. You know, like you said, it's sitting 92 to 94, maybe gets it up to 96. The changeup is good. Curveball's not, you know, anything spectacular. But sometimes the proof is in the pudding. The guy goes out on the field and the guys can't hit him or he strikes out a lot of guys. So, you know, maybe that's just something with the delivery and you add that in because, Sometimes these guys just have something that the the hitters just can't pick up. And maybe it's something that won't translate translate to the majors. Who knows? But I mean, so far, like you've said in the minors, you laid out all those K numbers. The guys just don't hit them. And it doesn't matter if his fastball is not coming in at 98 or like I said, his stuff isn't the most electric stuff you've ever seen. It's not going to beat Gore's stuff. But at the same point. He's striking out dudes like Mackenzie Gore was. So, you know, there's got to be something there. So hopefully you can work on some of that control and command, like you were saying. And if he can do that, he can stick as a starter. But, I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting a lefty reliever that strikes guys out. I mean, (laughs) people all around baseball are looking for that. So we'll see what he can develop into. But I think when you look at, you know, giving up Jamer Candelario and you bring back two guys that could potentially help out the big league ball club, you got to be pretty happy with that. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Totally. And I think that's kind of where I want to go next is I've seen some people, uh, most of whom have never heard of these guys before today, probably for the record, telling you how disappointed they are about what the Nats did. And these are kind of fans or, or bloggers or, you know, just people in the Nats Twitter sphere. And I respect a lot of them and their opinions. Um, but I got to tell you, you know, the expectation sometimes gets so out of whack for what a team's going to get back in a deal. Like I was seeing some of the names that, that fans were throwing out as, as hopefully they could land this guy. And it's like Jammer Candelario was a guy this offseason nobody wanted to sign, and he's a rental. You're not going to go get a top five prospect in a system, almost certainly. And could they have gotten like maybe the, you know the 11th or 12th best prospect instead of two guys outside of or around the top 15? Sure. But I think what you would like to do is continue to stock the system with talent. And this is what the Nats have done since 2021. In fact, two years ago to the day, as we sit here on July 31st talking, two years ago to the day, they traded Scherzer and Turner for Josiah Gray and Cabret Ruiz uh, back in 2021. And if you think about it, um, you know, what they've done in the minor league system since then has been pretty outstanding. And that isn't even to speak to. Uh, C.J. Abrams, your shortstop, and Mackenzie Gore and Josiah Gray in your rotation, and Riley Adams, your catcher two, and Kbert Ruiz, your catcher one, and 
you know, some of the other young, really good players that have helped them at times off the bench. Um, but I, I saw this idea that like, oh, they didn't get enough or it's a little bit light. And I understand that's, you know, you have expectations. There's nothing I can do or the Nats can do or anyone can do about that, whatever your expectations were. Um, so I'm, I'm not telling people how to think. I guess my point is this is a pretty reasonable return. There are two guys that um, have not had particularly great years. Uh, hers because of the, the walks and Made because he's kind of taken a step back after a pretty violent leap forward, I thought, last year. And because of that, they're available and you know they're expendable. But these are the types of, of interesting prospects you add to your system. And a middle infielder, when you don't have basically any uh, who's 20 and, and an A-plus ball, I think he'll be in Wilmington. Hers, who's got these strikeout numbers, and, and I think it helps you. Like, There's a lot of ways this could go, right? Both of these guys could never get to the big leagues. Um, I think the most likely outcome is probably that hers is a wipeout reliever and Made is like a, a bench bat who plays a bunch of defensive positions and maybe, you know, for me, like a better version of what Darren Baker is in the Nats system now. Um, that's kind of how I view it ultimately. But there's also like if I'm telling you there's a chance neither of these guys make the big leagues, there's a chance that hers throws more strikes and, and pitches more innings and maybe in, in a starting role than we think. And and Mate develops some power and ends up starting sometimes, at, you know, for, for the early part of his career at a, at a position. So uh, I've always said this, Toby. I, I don't know how you feel. The goal to me with a guy like Candelario, y- you, you hope that they perform. He did. He led the team in OPS, arguably their best player this year. As you said, going to be one of the better veterans, believe it or not, traded at this deadline as a bat. And you just hope you can get a couple guys back that eventually can help you out at the major league level and that help your system. And they've gone from being terrible in the minor leagues to being easily top 10. And, and, you know, I saw Kylie McDaniel of ESPN tonight saying they've snuck into his top five now after this deal. So uh, I continue to like the idea of just trying to recoup assets and, and add talent and flood the system with some competition. Yeah, 100%. It's not like you can sign Made and hers off of the free agent market. That's not something that's possible. So the only way to do it, bring in a guy like Candelario. Hopefully he produces in the first half, unlike what Nelson Cruz did and then deal them at the deadline and get those guys to add to your roster. But the point I want to make here, Grant, we talked about this with the first rounders. We've talked about it with Kyle Glazer of the importance of development and whether they pick the right guys or not. This is almost where a development becomes more important because, you know, finding a guy in the first round, if you really want, you can pick a guy out of college as opposed to high school, who's a little further along in development, hope that he can get to the, the next step. You know, think of what Dylan Cruz is now for the nationals, as opposed to when they drafted Brady house or Elijah green, you know, those guys take longer to develop. They're going to take more work with the development staff to get to the point where they can reach that potential, you know, compared to what Dylan Cruz is. But when you talk about the development staff, if you traded one of these guys to say the Atlanta Braves or another step, you know, another team that has phenomenal development, maybe we're looking at this a little bit differently. Like, Oh, this guy strikes out a lot of guys. He just struggles a little bit with command. Maybe they tweak a little in his delivery. Maybe they fix this or, you know, something where they can find something in the bat of Mate to add a little bit of power, or maybe they turn him into a little bit of a quicker runner, whatever they can find, you know, little edges that they can find. That's, I think more important for the development staff for the nationals is you need to pick the right guys in the first round and hopefully develop them. But these are the kind of guys that if you can find a way to develop, you know, you got these guys in a lot of ways, you could consider it almost for free because you signed Jamer Candelario with the intention of trading him. You're adding these guys into your prospect mix, into your organization. Now develop them, find a way. It's not always about developing first rounders. The Braves didn't get to where they are 
by developing only first round picks and top guys that they signed internationally. It's about bringing up other guys that they find little things that they can be good at. So hopefully the nationals can develop these guys. And I think this is where the development is most important. These types of transactions, these types of players, if they can add on to the talent you have at the top of the farm system, that's how you become an elite team with an elite farm system. That's well said. Yeah, Toby Altizer, Grant Paulson, Boston Loose Baseball, episode 71. Uh, you referenced Candelario. I've got some thoughts on Jamer and just what he meant to the org this year. But uh, give you the floor first. What do you make of the season he had as a Nat? Uh, OPS over 820 as he gets traded here. He and Lane Thomas were kind of battling for the team high in that stat, which tells you, you know, that they've been the two best offensive players on the team. Yeah, coming into the season, you know, it's it's Jamer Candelario. You've heard about him in Detroit. It's nothing that you get too excited for. But then you get to watch him every day. And, you know, I, I didn't watch him a ton in Detroit, so I didn't know tons and tons about him. I knew that, you know, like you said, coming in, he's going to have doubles and different things like that. But, you know, a decent average glove, maybe below average glove, maybe a little bit of power. And then what he was this season for the Nationals was really – a revelation of an incredible baseball player that looked like almost a guy that you could build around, you know, a guy that hits for power, a guy that obviously still has the doubles and plays a gold glove caliber third base. And so honestly, what he gave the nationals this year was a fighting chance. And to be honest with you, maybe you can credit some of the difference from last year's nationals team to this year's national team, nationals team to what, Jamer Candelario brought. They were competitive this year with Jamer Candelario. Hopefully they can continue that going forward the last couple months of the season. But, you know, you couldn't say that all the time about the 2022 Nets. They weren't always competitive. They didn't always look like a major league baseball team, especially at the third base position defensively. They did this year. They were competent. They're fun to watch. They're competitive. They're scrappy. And honestly, if you were to put all of those adjectives about the Nationals this season into one player, you'd probably come up with Jamer Candelario. Yeah, he went an OPS over 900 in his last 30 games with the team, ended up hitting 260, 16 homers, uh, team high and one of the league high doubles hitters, not as in because he actually led the American League in doubles a couple years ago with the Tigers and the 823 OPS. I just think the dude is such a really legitimately – good leader and he was kind of the heart and soul in the clubhouse of the leadership council if you will and i think the cubs are getting a good egg 